Okay, that seems to work for me. Is there a delay with you? Nope. Okay, amazing. Okay, all right. So now what I'll do is I'll do the podcast intro sound and then I'll build on it, okay? I like it. There you go. Hi, everyone Good. in the world. We are, I forget, I'm recording the video as well. Hello, everyone. So I am Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social, and I'm joined here by a fantastic guest who I originally met on Clubhouse Audio Only. This is the first time we're seeing each other in video form, and maybe one day we'll meet each other in person. But until then, please introduce, so i got to do it that way, I'm introducing Matthew Jackson. So Matthew, and I'm going to read here, you are Director of Business Development at BIM Object, architect, digitalization geek, and public speaker. And we originally spoke on Clubhouse when you were talking about the fact that you, like myself, you worked in the UK, and currently right now you're living it up. You're living it up in Sweden, is that right? Yeah, yeah I am, yep. My memory is still good, Very so good. thank you so much for being here, Matthew. First of all, how are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Sweden. I've moved from one country with lots of rainy weather to another country with lots of rainy weather. So I appreciate every sunny day as much as I did when I was in the UK. Amazing. Amazing. So for so we know each other a little bit, but for anyone that's not met you yet, do you apart from we both share rainy weather and you can see I've got a little bit of rain happening here. Do you want to tell everyone what you're currently doing at the moment? So currently I work for a, well, it was a tech startup, at least when I joined them, and they're now like a a scale-up. So I head up business development at uh, at BIM Objects. I was an an architect, or at least a part one, back in the day. And uh, we're digitizing all the stuff that you put in your designs. So like the chairs and the tables and the windows and the walls. Um, I'm working for the company that is making them all digital. So you can just, you don't have to draw anything anymore. You can just drop them into your design models and have really good looking stuff inside your designs. So that's what I do. It's an awesome job. It's, it's a fascinating world to work in and a fascinating world to work in startups and tech as well. Amazing. There's so many things I want to peel back there. So first of all, uh, me and you are the part one slash part two and worked in the industry and never got our ARB club. So Correct. well done to yes. us. Well done to us. We gotta look out for each other. Yeah. You've done very well in industry. You had a you had a lot of um, value. So that's really interesting. The fact that you work we'll touch upon you being in the startup and I love that. But the fact that your startup is to do with BIM and you mentioned that you don't even need to draw anymore. Now that's a far cry, Matthew, from when me and you studied. I don't know about you, but I had the hand drawing lessons yeah. and I had the two going like, and I, I, cause the, I, I did all right in most modules, but the one module I struggled with was hand drawing and I had to do it again. Um, so there you I've go. Still got, I've still got my really expensive pens somewhere in, in this <laughs> office. I've still, oh, I've what, still the got them. rings. Yeah, yeah, because because they they were so much money, I was like, I'm never gonna get rid of them because you never <laughs> yeah. know. So I, some somewhere in somewhere in here, I have them still. You've I've got, got them to Sweden. I'm like, I'm never gonna get rid of these pens. That's amazing. Well, the, who knows? Maybe it'll be like Indiana Jones in a museum one day, <laughs> saying, "Look at this antique look architecture this antique pen. pen." Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So, well, let's peel it back a little bit now. So, I always think that. that it's good to know what you're doing now, 
but we've got a lot of people who, move, who are moving along in their career. Mm. So you mentioned that you studied architecture. Now, everyone at some point, there's a different story about why they wanted to get into architecture. I remember at one point, I felt like I wanted to be a doctor. And then I speak to some one or two friends and they're like, Steve, now you were always drawing buildings. You were always gonna study architecture. But what, what drew you into studying architecture, Matthew? It's, it's, it's something actually I always wanted to as a I suppose as like a young teenager right I mean I, I I was always drawing I loved graphics class I loved art class I also really liked like physics and maths so kind of basically those those things that you know then architecture or engineering is a really good field to to go into I had a family member as well that was an architect um you know mm. he had a, he had a nice house and a nice car and you know all all those things and I was just really interested in like the world. I always loved Lego. I mean, mm. I think there, there is, I, I talk about Lego all the time still. And I think, really, yeah, and I never used to follow the instructions. I used to just make it up. I, you know, I used to mix all my Lego sets together and just make stuff from scratch. Right. So I suppose architecture kind of just was a very natural world for me to fall into. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed university i really enjoyed studying architecture um, i met some fascinating people got to go to visit some fascinating places but the the big challenge was when i graduated um i graduated during the financial crisis in 2007 2008 mm. so i went to work oh, wow i worked for nightingale associates they're now owned by ibi big canadian firm and I designed schools and hospitals and I, it was really interesting to work in public sector. Um, and then I also went and worked and designed pubs. I designed Weatherspoons pubs. Oh, did you? Yeah. So <laughs> you, you, until, you were very important to the fabric of the UK society. I was then, very important. So I was, uh, until recently, the, the Weatherspoons at Gatwick South was my design, but they've just refurbished it. Is that the pinnacle season. of your design? That's actually, yeah. that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. Both- and... And I did the, in Sheffield, Hillsborough, um, there was an old swimming pool that had been derelict for years and we fer- I refurbished that, the designs into a, I mean, I was only a part one um, and I was yeah, you know, the, leading the design on, on, on the pub. So, so I, I, I did that and that was really cool. And, and at the time, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to go back and do my part two. Um, and, I, and I'd applied I'd applied um, all, all over the place. I was interested in, in going to, uh, to Glasgow to study. Mm. And what happens was because the financial crisis hit and everybody, there was no work for architects at all. Right? So I think within, within mm. six months, one third of all architects had lost their jobs right. after the fina- financial crash in 2008. So what the universities did was they allowed people who had just finished their part ones to stay on to do their part twos because there was no work. There was no work experience and they agreed that you can do your work experience later. So there was no places. It was mm. really, really competitive to get onto a part two course. Um, and I didn't get onto one. Um, right. The ones that I wanted. Um, and that was, I suppose, my journey, the beginning of my journey, just by opportunity or lack of opportunity to reconsider what I wanted to do. Mm. and where I want to work mm. um, uh, and then um, I, I I did some kind of like freelance design work for a couple of companies um, 
And then I, I saw this really interesting op, 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 opportunity, which was the advert was, uh, we're looking for people who know how to use AutoCAD, other CAD software, and how to use an Apple Mac. Oh, you were that, like, that's tailor-made. I'm applying. That's like, I'm, you were I'm probably because, the top candidate because, for it. Because I was like, I've used Macs all my university life. Like, I love Macintosh. I know how to use AutoCAD because I've used it professionally. Um, and I was like, and I was in. And I went to this job and I thought it was a training job. I thought right. they were looking for people to teach um, CAD software, right? So I went into the interview. I... I I think I didn't read the advert properly. I just, I was sold on like the tagline. <laughs> and it was a sales job. I've never right. done sales before. And what was happening was it was when AutoCAD was moving to the Macintosh platform. So I was to work with Apple and Autodesk as a third party for uh, an, a, another company to launch AutoCAD for Mac and to help Apple get iPads onto construction sites. Ah. By pure luck, I just kind of fell into this kind of thing. And I did that for like two and a half years. And then this is when the BIM stuff started to really kick off. And I got really interested in BIM, really interested in like how that's going to change the industry. Um, the AutoCAD for Mac project failed. Like Autodesk, you know, I'm sure if people from Autodesk were listening to this, they'll probably admit they didn't do a great job. Um, and then I ended up going to work for a, um, an Autodesk company selling selling Revit. Um, and well, you've done you a know, good job. It's used everywhere now. It's used. It's used. It's used, used everywhere. I didn't last there very long though. Um, uh, I didn't really enjoy enjoy it much. Um, right. It was really heavy, heavy sales, and I was more interested in like the technical consultancy and solving problems side. Yeah. You know, how architects do this, and how architects do that. And then I got an, um, through LinkedIn, I got an e um, a LinkedIn message from a recruitment agency saying, hey, we're recruiting for this, this tiny, tiny Swedish startup. They want to have a conversation with you. So, like, oh, okay. I'm not overly happy with my current job. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll have a chat. That was um, April 2014, and it's now June 2021. Wow, um, and I've worked. And when I started working for them, we were twenty-six people. We're now nearly two hundred and global. And so, yeah, a very interesting kind of like. I had some yeah. bar jobs in in between to get some money. I ran a cocktail bar for a while, like you know when things were. Oh wow! Tom in between jobs, like I mean, you know, anything just to get money. I mean, I've always been like you know, always wanting to work. So. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey back and forth. That's for amazing. Sure. I mean, it was it's definitely good listening to it. If I seem emotional, it's just because I suffer a little bit of hay fever sometimes. So uh, you know, it was Thanks. it was engaging, and I did enjoy the history. But if it seems like I'm crying, it's um it's because of my hay fever. Okay. But that's amazing. Good. What I love discussing that is because I think for anyone that's listening here, if you want to be an architect, that's absolutely fantastic as yeah. well. But you can add so much value in the industry as well you can contribute in different ways and like what i like about that journey is that you kind of went one step at a time and now you've ended up working somewhere that you enjoy for a really long period of time you know? and one of the things that, that that we picked up on the on the clubhouse um we uh, over a couple of weeks when we we're talking about like how do you kind of plan your path as a career yeah. there are there are skill sets that you learn 
when you go to school as an architect and then when you work as an art, as an art, architect that you think is really common, right? Because you live in that world. Mm. But actually from the outside, architects or people who are architecturally trained don't even have to be fully qualified are extremely employable where skills yeah. are extremely uh, um, uh, relevant to other roles. Because, yep. because I mean, how, how many jobs do you, do you know of or how many university courses do you know of where you have to create something freely mm. out of your head, <laughs> make, it, make it work practically for a human population because we're talking yep. about a building and then to stand up in front of your peers for it to be pulled apart for an hour and for you to argue constructively how, that 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 is that that is extreme i mean i remember at, at, rightly or wrongly i remember at university people in tears people running out people swearing at and like you know we had some quite egotistical lecturers let's say who probably yeah. weren't weren't but like that is that that skill like of basically dealing with confrontation um, basically being accountable for your decisions those things those those skills are actually very rare like really mm. hard to find people with that with that with that with that skill set so it's extremely applicable to other jobs like yeah when uh, you i i love that i think that's really what one of the things that resonated on clubhouse because i think you were in the architecture social club on clubhouse and i think we were talking about alternative careers yeah and that's what i really resonated towards what what you've done and and you're right and we and, and you hit the nail on the head we forget so much the skills we learned and i agree with you so i studied at manchester school of architecture and in my diploma i went into quite a challenging um what you call it like a little cohort you know and mm -hmm. and and basically um, it was great because actually it was challenging, but I really got along with it. And so what it was is very data-driven, um, theoretical projects. And so what's interesting is that actually in terms of how I approach the design of the architecture social, because you've got, yeah, you've got the clubhouse, but actually it's a bit more than that. I'm trying to build up this website. I'm trying to get something going. And all that really comes from the lessons that I learned in architecture. So yes, I'm not designing a building per se, but those lessons are actually valuable. And the other bit that you touched upon, which I completely agree, is like the fact that now, look at us, we're, we're in this podcast, you know, you put your shirt on, I put on my black t-shirt, and we're doing, we're doing it live, and this is a skill that, I never felt fully comfortable doing this at first, but you're, you're right, actually, there's nothing like a few crits and getting your, you know, a thick skin or what have you to, that really helps in life and actually yeah life is a pitch isn't it and the, when you develop that skill of presenting your work and it getting smashed down or you fighting against that and you know standing up for what you believe in that's actually a really as you said underrated skill in architecture which not a lot of other courses teach I mean, I go to, I go to, I'm very fortunate in my role because I go to a lot of conferences pre-COVID um, mm -hmm. all, all over the world. And I, and I stand on stage a lot. I, I do panels, I host panels. So I'm like the person that's like moderating the panel. Mm -hmm. And these are things, and these are things that I can 100% tell you are skills that I didn't know that I learned from architecture. Because, mm -hmm. because oh, I go to so many conferences and these people clearly have not learned comms skills. And right. it's, it's either death by PowerPoint or, um, 
it's like so many times, especially in tech, right? I mean, tech, people love talking about technology, but that is the one thing you shouldn't talk about. People don't care about tech. People care about the value and the change it will make to their lives. Like that's, uh, what, okay. that's, that's what's interesting to me. I'm not interested in what macros you use to make data move from A, from, from a, a, a to B. I'm interested in what did I have before and what's the yeah. result? And again, that that creativity again from 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 architecture. Like when you present architectural designs, you don't talk about how you created the line or or how you like you go. Okay, so before the people had this, but now yeah. they're going to have this, and it's going to be awesome, and they're going to feel amazing. And it's you 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 skip the middle bit. And again, like I never realised this until I kind of started going to conferences and started standing up on stage that it, in my head it comes naturally because that's what I was taught at school the yeah. way to present ideas so it's yeah it's it's like retrospectively I think back and be like yeah maybe I should have paid more attention at uh, like presentation skills and stuff but um, yeah you live it's, in it's it's well yeah I mean look I I, I really enjoyed all the things i've learned but you know there's i i do think that you know when my part one i yeah it, i did learn a lot i mean in your part two you really you really do knuckle down but look you've done really well for yourself and i think it's really inspiring so for anyone listening who is um thinking about alternative careers in architecture i think it's not a taboo it's definitely something to no. consider and yeah. also it's uh, what's interesting, it's not uh, often one or the other. So you can still do architecture and you can do other stuff and you can, and actually the skills that you, you learn are applicable in, in other things. I actually know a hairdresser who in, in central London, who is like his whole business model is based upon the section of the hair and all this stuff and like the prices he charges, right? Because he's really good and if you want yeah. an architect to cut your hair it costs money so what i'm saying is that there's loads of extremes but this is amazing and so i think that's inspiring for anyone listening let's talk a little bit about um so bim object so bim object you're at the forefront and you're seeing all this stuff digitally so when me and you were talking before and uh, of maybe a few things that would be great to see your insight on now, while I um, have more experience at the moment in terms of architectural recruitment, and so it's, it's fantastic to have joined um, an architecture practice in Accra Lowry in London because it's really great to be actually in the fold. So BIM mm. Object, you're kind of at the, the bleeding edge of technology and so forth, and you're seeing all this stuff. So when you say, uh, when we are talking before, one of the things you mentioned upon is the industry's challenge with becoming digital. And so from an outsider's perspective in recruitment, you touched upon the fact that you were there, you know, you've been with BIM Objects since what, 2012 or what have you. So in, when I joined recruitment, it was in 2014, and there was what I called the, 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 recru the recruitment Revit gold rush of finding people yeah. that could use BIM because this this skill set was here nor there, and, and, and now like, what you the leading BIM managers and BIM leads of architecture practices were back then part ones who were very good at the software and you know all this kind of stuff so I've seen the industry become more and more digital to the point now where Revit in terms of recruitment or BIM 
is a prerequisite. Yeah. Actually, interestingly, where I work, Acro Lowry, we're one of the very few people in London that use Archicad, which is an interesting point. Yeah, Good. I mean, yeah, and, and, and it's, yeah, everyone that uses Archicad loves it Big fan. compared to Revit, but yeah. the majority of the market, what I would say is that Revit has become almost a prerequisite so that when you've seen me, Matthew, when we were talking on Clubhouse and trying to inspire students, like, you need to learn Revit and like if you're caught, or you need to understand BIM to have a competitive edge, in my opinion, in an architectural practice. But I would love to hear your perspective of um, the new challenges would become in this digital world, like this prerequisite of BIM and where we're going at the moment. Yeah, so like I, I, this is where I could sound a bit negative, but I'm, I'm going to try not to be negative at all. So like, <laughs> like, 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 like the tools that you just discussed, like Revit, Archicad, there's other ones like you know Vectorworks, Allplan. There's loads, right? They're just tools. Yeah, it's it's like picking between a Faber Castell pen and a a, a a rotary pen, right? It's yeah. it's picking what brand of drawing board you want. It's picking what brand of laptop you want, right? At the end of the day, they're they're tools, and yeah, you know, you need to be master of your tool the tool of choice that you choose or the company you go and work for but yeah companies companies should be teaching you the way they want you to use the tools anyway i think what the big challenge that i see in in the industry is just understanding how the digital workflows should be because right. all we're doing is so like i take a really good example when when we move from drawing boards to, to cad we went from drawing lines arcs and circles on a piece of paper drawing lines, arcs, and circles on the computer screen. Right. We didn't, we didn't change anything in the way that we designed a building. And that's kind of happened a little bit with BIM, in a way. We've just gone, okay, well, instead of doing it in 2D, we're doing it in, 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 in 3D. Yeah. The challenge, the challenge is, is what, you know, what is the BIM methodolo methodology trying to solve? Like, what yeah. is... What are we actually trying to do? Well, we're trying to make better buildings um, and we're trying to make them more sustainable. We're trying to make less mistakes. We're trying to make them more buildable. We're trying to make them cost less, blah, 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 right? That's nothing to do with drawing lines, arcs and circles. That's to do with how you work in a digital way as an architect with an engineer, with a contractor, with a quantity surveyor, with a client, with the supply chain that provides all this stuff mm. that goes into buildings. So like I really, um, you know, Pete, some people are really passionate about the tools that they use. Um, I, I'm a really bad user of all of the tools because I don't use them on a, on a daily basis. I have them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, never ask me to design something in a tool now because but that's not your role anymore. It's understanding no, the processes, it's not good. right? But I understand yeah. the need of like, what information do I need to know? What information do I need to get out of this? Like, like, what is the point? What is, you know, because one of the big challenges is that we spend all this time putting all this information into a model, if we put any information into it at all. But if that's not useful for an engineer or a contractor, they're just going to throw it away. Like, mm. like the amount of contractors that remodel after the architect has sent them the model is a frightening mm. amount of rework. And it's like, as, 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 as young people enter the industry and, and graduate, you've grown up with electronic comms, like you, you've grown up with like 
collaborating. We've just had many countries are still in COVID where we've learned how to socialize digitally, play games, do teamwork digitally. Like it's a really good time to apply this across the board, like to yeah. everybody. And the opportunity is there because we're still not as an industry globally performing well compared to other industries. Like construction is uh, about 1% efficiency gain. It's wow. really, really poor compared to other industries. I think we are the second worst industry when it comes to digital workflows. The worst industry is farming. So we have something to be proud of. Um, <laughs> well, that's, news, that's news to me because in my head, and I don't get, I always have this preconception that construction, you know, you look at the channels like B1M and we're so cutting edge and all this stuff. But what are you saying? If we're in the lowest 1%, what is it? A hot mess behind the scenes then? Yeah. But, but the thing is, but but I mean, I know I know the B one M and, I, and I, I work a bit with Fred on uh, on stuff, and I actually do I, agree with Fred as well, right? Yeah. Because because if you think about it, there's no other job in the. I, it's it's hard to name another job in the world where we as individuals have an impact on humanity yeah, on for longer yeah. than our lifetime. Like yeah. if you if you if you design a building, there's a very good chance that building's going to exist beyond your professional life and maybe mm. even beyond your your actual personal life right and that is amazing that is so cool like like if you go and you go and do game design or 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 whatever a game lasts two or three years right you're designing something that's going to be physically there for years and have a real impact on people that is amazing that is so cool like mm. when you think about it so as an industry we look no we we build stuff like there's great successes but it's like but we could be even better yeah and i think yeah. that that's the it's not to say that construction is doing a bad job it's doing a great job but it could do an awesome job yeah that's, well, that's the kind of the world that i live in yeah well there's you well you're right there's so many facets to it and so a big topic especially in the practice i work in is kind of sustainability right now and how yeah. do you even go about that and, and one of the topics that came up in the office is like you know, obviously the architect has a huge influencer in that, but as you talked about it, it's the construction industry and the whole, and there's so many facets involved in that. And I, one of the bits that um, when we were brainstorming before and the ideas that you put forward for talking about here is the industry's challenges with going green. And I think that's kind of mm. like a nice stepping stone from where we just were. So I'm hearing these talks in the office about doing our bit and, you know, we need the materials and the suppliers to do their bit and as you're saying you're seeing all these parts going so okay you're not drawing in bin neither am i anymore but you're seeing so many of these people who are using these technologies and the challenges ahead i mean what are your kind of thoughts on uh, the industry and going green and and in the time span that you've been working in this role in particular i think it's a huge uphill struggle i think um yeah I think the need is now. I think COVID has been an unfortunate distraction when it comes to sustainability, and and um, the topic is now coming back in. Um, uh, and I think one of the things that I like to think about is is what is your individual responsibility as as a person, right? And I think one of the things that I got from from Clubhouse and 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 reading a lot of the comments from the Architectural Social Group is a lot of people I think feel mm. very. Um, especially young people, they're so passionate about 
you know, sustainability and and the climate crisis and and solving it. And I've always said, like, there's a few ways that you as humans can impact the earth, right? So first of all, you can impact the earth on what you buy. So if you want, you can buy a Tesla. If you want, you can be vegetarian. That's that. That's great. 100% make personal changes in your life to be green, right? Because that's your personal responsibility. You can then uh, make decisions on who you vote for. So if you're really passionate, you should always vote. You know, voting is your democratic right, so vote for green things. If you don't mm. agree with stuff, go, go protest. I've been on protests. I'm quite proud that I've been on protests in London a few times for different things and things that I, I believe in. But all mm. those things together still don't add up to the big one, and that's who you work for. Mm. Because who you work for and what you do as a job has an impact beyond you, right. especially in the architecture construction world, right? Mm. And it's been really interesting we've got like people that I work for, you know, they're not maybe taking these things seriously. Well, then, you know, find someone who does because it's yeah. like if you're passionate about it, go and find a company that's also passionate about it. And and I mean, now's not a great time to switch jobs because after COVID and like there's a lot of stuff going on, but always have that in the forefront of your mind. So I think I think what's happening now is that companies are starting to to realize that the, the the group of people coming now up into mid, up into middle, middle management is mainly the millennial group. The Zoomers are coming in. Are they called Zoomers? The Zoomers. Zoomers. Gen Z. Are we calling them Zoomers now? Is that? Oh, a thing? I love it. I think you that you 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 made the name there, but I love it. The the new Zoomers. Zoomers. Zoom. By that coining that, I've heard it from somewhere else. I can't tell it's supposed to be right. Um, and and like and they're like, oh, okay, we need to be. We need to really think about this stuff. I think construction has a big challenge because. Um, it's down to the client and, and, and the contractor. I think governments are starting to do a really good job. I've got, there's a really fascinating, um, in Copenhagen, which is just over the water from where, from where I am, yeah. um, they have this, uh, they want to be the first capital city in the world to be carbon neutral. And they targeted themselves to be carbon neutral by 2025. And when they announced this, I think they announced this a couple of years ago, everyone was like, that is ambitious. Mm. Oh, now I've started talking to I do quite a bit of work in uh, in, in Copenhagen. Started talking to to people in industry in Copenhagen, and I've asked, so how has that affected your work? And they're like, oh yeah, completely. Every single design mm. has to have life cycle analysis, carbon output, energy use predictability, um, waste management in the design prior to being signed off for every single project in Denmark and it's like mm. wow that and and and, and they say that has the, the Copenhagen 2025 thing has kicked that off so then I'm like okay so how 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 the hell are you solving this because this is like this is a massive challenge and they mm. said well it's difficult because we need we need a company this is where I can like do some do some shameless plugging we need a company right. like BIM Object to provide us with all the information about the products so we yeah. can make these predictions, right? So yeah. we need you to go and digitize all of the products. And we're mm. like, okay, yeah, well, we're trying, but it's like an uphill struggle. Yeah. So I, I, think, I, think, I think the big thing that's going to change is I think clients, owners of buildings, are going to be much more prescriptive over what they want. Mm. Um, 
And then they're going to basically dictate to the architects and go, you need to have a really good understanding of the type of things you want to put in the building. And mm. then when it comes to the contractor who's supposed to buy all the bits, it's not going to be a race to the bottom anymore. It's not going to be buy the cheapest stuff as possible and make the building as cheap as you can. The building now has to have a performance. The building has to be carbon neutral or make its own power or do all these things. And that's a massive shift. Like mm. that is, that is whereas previously it was like, I want a building and I want it as cheap as I can because I don't have much money. Yeah. To, I now need a building that performs. Like, yeah, I, I, I um, gate crashed right before the pandemic. I think Cartwright Pickard were doing a, a presentation in London where they talked about uh, 3D, 4D, 5D, 6D and how that works with BIM. And it was like the materiality and all the sustainability mm. aspects. And it went a little bit over my head. But as you're right, it's it's something that before I didn't even think that would be a criteria. I know like no. the concept of BIM is the 3D modeling with information attached, but the sustainable um, aspect of it is uh, really really important so it's so f just before we move on though for anyone that's anyone watching the video it's definitely still worth doing because of matthew's beautiful shirt and the, i apologize that uh, everyone's watching me wrestle with hay fever i got my little i felt i was like because this is the problem with video isn't it and like this zoom world it, whereas if this was just an audio podcast you wouldn't be seeing my terrible little like handkerchief but do you know what matthew as long as everyone watching it sorry guys i got a little bit of hay fever we can still move on yeah and i mean and and <laughs> And also, like everything in 4K as well, like you see, you see yeah, everything. Yeah, I know. See it's every like blemish, man. It's this like is, it's this like is, pixelate I mean, a little bit, and then I'll be much better. This is you're right. You know what I need? Like, you know what I need? Like a soundless, aircond, like um, studio. But unfortunately, I'm still building the social app. Revit hasn't sponsored. Autodesk hasn't sponsored me yet, Matthew. So I got to be in this hot room with my little paper handkerchiefs. You know. We need we need some Snapchat filters. Yeah, well, you need a lot of filters with me. Trust me, that's what you need. like 50 percent filters. But look, that's really interesting, and, and um, you know, I really appreciate your insight. You know, from a technology standpoint on the sustainability movement. So it sounds like we're making progress. There's still yeah, a long way to go, and uh, I couldn't believe when you. Well, we're above farmers, but that's that's still a wide margin. So I'll the, tell you. So I'll the, I'll tell you another on. really like depressing snippet. So I, I lecture at uh, <laughs> I, I lecture between at, my um, handkerchief and your depressing yeah. snippets. <laughs> I, I, Everyone's unsubscribing. Boom. Everyone's gone. like, I'm out. I'm out. I, I'm really lucky. <laughs> I, I lecture at Lund University and two of the Copenhagen uh, universities about sustainability and and technology and their relationship and stuff. And one thing people don't realise is like when you pick up the morning newspaper or you turn on beep. BBC News. There's always reports on uh, aviation really polluting, or uh, everyone's flying to the sustainability conference. How un how unsustainable is it? Construction creates something like three times more CO2 than aviation. It's well, like it's like, and no one talks about it at all. It's like it's like everyone just points at David Attenborough, going, "He shouldn't have flown to that conference. That's not very sustainable." It's like, come on, that's that's like that's such small news. You're like, you don't think about the big stuff at all. So it's like, yeah, like as young architects, like we a hundred percent have um, the ability to impact this stuff in a very, very, very positive way. Which is why I'm still working in in, in the industry because I yeah, think it's. It's, it's so much that you can do, which is positive. Yeah. 
And that when you were talking about that, it reminds me of Sea Spiracy. So I watched that documentary, and there was yeah. something like, wasn't it like, um, you know, a big problem in terms of what's happening is actually the fishing industry. So in the, your analogy, it's like the construction industry causes so much CO2. But look, it's good that at least we were talking about this stuff now and we're yeah. raising awareness. And, you know, with the fact that, so anyone that's listening here, you hear it from Matthew, we're above farming, but we've got a lot of industries to keep going to. So the question is now, so you said like where we've been, where we are, what I'd love to know in your opinion, and I'll kind of, and we'll do my opinion after, we can freestyle around that. But let's get the crystal ball out. Let's get the crystal ball out. I haven't got a crystal ball here or anything one. like that. I don't have anything one here either. I've got a, I've got a round vase. <laughs> well, okay. If you could look into the round vase of the future, what do you think the future holds for architecture, then Matthew? I think I think architecture is in a really interesting point where it could go one of two ways. I yeah. think I think uh, a lot of people are questioning like the role in which the architect has to play. Yeah. So one one big movement that's coming up, and I'm sure your listeners have, have, have heard about it, is is uh, DFMA, right? So it's Design for Manufacturing and Assembly. So yeah. basically, building buildings in a factory. Um, and this is not a new idea. It's old. It's an old idea. Um, but that is becoming ever more popular. Like IKEA are building houses in Scandinavia and the UK, yeah. and they're building them in in factories. It's not perfect. They've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. So then, the, so then the question comes up: like, well, what what role does an architect have to play if you're going to just build all buildings in factories and just have massive Lego bricks that you're just going to drop? And I think, and I think that's going to happen more and more and more. I think it's really. I've, I've, I did some work with um, the British government and the Swedish governments as well, and it's like. When, when, when you build a school, why do you redesign a classroom for 30 students every time? Why isn't it just the same in every single mm. school, right? So I think, I think the role of the architect will shift slightly. I think the architect still gets design freedom, like the, the facade materials, you know, the, 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 the more kind of like mixed use spaces, the arrangement of the spaces. But I think the spaces themselves I think a lot of it is going to be preset, especially in public sector and even yeah. in private sector. Like, you know, it, it's it it needs to become more more modularized for it to exist. I'm not saying we're not going to have really cool designs like opera houses and stadiums that are one-offs, right? We're yeah. still going to have a lot of one-offs and really cool projects. But a lot of it is going to be much more methodical, I think. And mm. archite I think architects need to think about their role in that the value they bring because that also affects how much they're paid. Mm. So I think, I That's think, a, I think it's an interesting time mm. in that yeah, space. I think, um, do you know what I would say on that point? So last year when I was in recruitment during the pandemic, the only people which had a massive recruitment drive were these, uh, modular companies. Mm. So we had the Barclay group, so they've yep. got a big factory. And I did a lot of work with Top App. Yep. I can say that. Um, I would just want to say what exactly rose, but because they had a massive recruitment drive and there was one or two other companies as well. So you got Modular Living up north and you're right. So there's this big, big, big push on Modular Living. And one of the roles that um, 
I remember one or two of these companies, they sometimes they have an in-house architecture team, or they would get architects to kind of consult on that design. So you're right, the mm. architecture, the architect still has a, has a role in it, but it's very different. I kind of mm. like that techie world aspect of it. And we had on the podcast here, Rene, who, who used to be a bid manager at EPR Architects, he used to, um, he used to be, um, yeah, he used to basically, I used to work at EPR Architects and he was the bid manager there. And so he went on to Berkeley Modular. And, and as you say, it's kind of that world of getting the processes and, and how do you design, how do you make the best possible design, but make it for mass market. But what's yeah. interesting, um, briefly before we go on again with with Modular, is like you know, I live in Lewisham at the moment and this mm. massive towers has gone up for student accommodation and it's all modular. And the yeah. speed at which this building goes up, it's just... Hey, I mean, it's it's not so much once you've, but like they come like crates, you know. So it's like you know, like the student dorms, you know, like we've all yeah. been them in the past, where you've got like the you got the beds and you've got the little bathroom, which is like an airport bathroom, and then you've got your desk. Well, they were just whacking them in, and this tower, which would normally take like what one or two years before, is like popped up in like six months. It's there, it's done. Yeah, you know, so. I find that really interesting. So for anyone listening, do check out the modular world. And yeah, what, was mean, the, was the, what was the term, Matthew? D, it's I got, can never uh, it's remember called D, it. DFMA, so Design yeah. for Manufacturing and Assembly. That's like the official term, which is recognized by like UK Gov and stuff. It's just, right. just a posh word for modular, right? Um, mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, and but, but think about like the... Uh, think about the environmental and logistical impact of not being on site for two years and being on site for maybe three months. Like just think like how much better traffic would be around the city if there wasn't all these building sites open for so long. Yeah, it's true. Like it's, it's, it's such an obvious way to go, but it's been so hard to get there. I think. And there's still a long, long, long way to go. Yeah. I think I, it's really interesting. So, there's so many things here, and this is kind of why I was quite keen to get you on the podcast that we talked about. The one thing I would really want to talk about, more of a, so we get the scope in a little bit and talk about yourself. Because one, what's really interesting is that, and we alluded at the start, the truth that where you are recording from is, is not in the UK. No. Okay. And one of the things that we talked about, and I thought was really inspirational. <laughs> about what you what, on Clubhouse because you were talking about yeah I've moved and I love it I love what I do you have these entrepreneurial startup companies and architects should definitely check it out so what is um, can you walk through a little bit about how your life is different um, it, currently not working in the UK but still in the construction industry and maybe a bit what the opportunities are there or how it is to live out there because to me I'm like, it sounds exciting, but I'm like, oh, what do I do? It sounds like, oh, you know, how, where do I begin? Do you want to yeah. walk through that and give an insight? I mean, It'd be great. I think, I think one of the basic things that you need to learn is that if if there's challenges in one country in construction, it's the same in every country. So, okay, cool. So, so like, I mean, I again, I've been really lucky. Like, I've 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 travelled across all all of the continents apart from Australia for work. Um. And every time you go to a new country and, and, and you meet a consulting firm, you meet a construction company, you meet an architect, they sit here and go, we have such unique problems in this country. It makes these things really hard. And I'm like, cool, tell me, explain to me these problems that you have. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm like, you've just explained exactly the same thing that I had last week, but two planes ago. Like, like they're the same. So I think I think that's kind of one thing which I think some people get really, really scared about. It's like, okay, how do I, first of all, how do I take my skills and apply it to, you know, a different kind of work? And then people are like, yeah. oh, can I even apply that to a different country? I'm like, yes, you can. Absolutely, 100%. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's nuances, there's details, which are different approaches, laws, all those sorts of things. But generally speaking, like, every country's construction is like a bit slow, a bit inefficient, not sustainable. Mm. Like there's no, I, I couldn't pinpoint a country on a map and go, they've solved it. Mm. Like, like it doesn't exist in that way. Yeah. So I think that's quite cool. I mean, I, I, um, I've always wanted to work in, um, another country just cause I've always wanted to, I've always been very curious about different cultures. Um, and I think you grow as a person when you kind of like experience different cultures and different yeah. ways of working. Um, and it's the same and you don't, but you don't have to travel for that. Like just working for a yeah. company that's very international that has a lot of people from, from different cultures is really cool. I really enjoy mm. learning about other people's working practices and, and how they do things like differently to how I've learned from the UK. And things are quite different here. Um, in you know, and there's positives and negatives, like with, with, with it, with everything. So I think, I think, I mean, I never planned to live here. Um, that's the thing, right? I mean, I when I came out, I worked for uh, for BIM Object. I came out um, end of fourteen, fifteen, um, just for two months. I had a two month request to help with a massive project. A long two months. In, it's a long two months, and that turned to three months, four months, five months. Yeah. And then the CEO sat me down and went, well, do you want to, do you want to stay? And I never thought about it. I, in my head, I was like, I'm always going back to the UK. I'm always yeah. going to go back to, 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 to my home country where my friends and family are. But I was really enjoying the experience. I was learning so much from, yeah. from, from a different culture, from different people, both you know, personally and professionally. And I was like, yeah, why not? I mean, mm. you know, I got, I got, I got, I got nothing to lose. Um, and if, and also, if I went back as well, my career prospects would would be different. I've, I saw that I had a career path where I was. I'd probably have to go and find a different job. Um, yeah, those sorts of things. So, I mean, I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm not like I'm. I, it's, it's, it's as much. I think I, I definitely. There's definitely been some luck involved in in where mm. I am. As, as, but you know, but some people go, well, you make your own luck. So. I don't know. Yeah, I think, well, I think to an element you do, but sometimes there is an element of being in the right place at the right time time. and and capitalizing on that. So, because it does take a little bit of gusto to say, do you know what? I will stay. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's really down to you and your ability. And that's quite inspiring. So I think that's great. What I would say is as well, you touched upon traveling. I agree. I mean, I ran a company a few years ago, and at the time, I was obsessed with making this company big because I always wanted to. I was like, I need to make a success of my life, yada, yada, yada. And during that time, I would always put off traveling, say, I'm got time. And I would never take Mm -hmm. holidays and do all this stuff. And I look back and I think, like, what a wasted opportunity. So just before Mm -hmm. the pandemic, I think in one year, I went to, like, 
six, seven countries nice. that I've never been to. Yeah, just like boom, awesome. boom. So that when I was in the office, they're almost like, oh my gosh, where's Steve flying to this week? Do you know what I mean? Just like that. But it really is enriching. And because of that, I'm meeting different people. And like Berlin, I love Berlin. I went there twice. Yeah, and yeah. it was, it's such a cool culture. And you know, you know, and, it's, and this is why when you're saying like, I think the idea of going somewhere else is really scary at first. But when you start traveling, you're like, well, I can totally see why it would work and how it would enrich yourself. Yeah, I think I think there's another element to it as well. Is that is that like, um, so you know, this this is I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put basically an entire population into a stereotypical box right now, and be like, you know, English people aren't very good at language outside of English, um, right? Um, and and I think some people are really worried about going to other countries and speaking English with people. What what I've learned is that young people especially really enjoy speaking English because they're like. Um, because they recognize that, that English, it, it is the international, we're very lucky, it's the international language of business and science. Um, and therefore, you know, the, uh, young people, especially now, especially in, in what I would say, you know, in, in traditional European countries are all learning English and want to learn English a lot. So, so that isn't a barrier, not knowing a language mm. um, in, in my mind. In some countries, like if you go to like the Netherlands, for example, just next door they all speak english as a second language from the age of like seven they start learning at school so you don't need to learn dutch from a professional point of view you might need to Mm. from a personal point of view right so it's like those barriers just aren't there and i and especially if if you're going to work in architecture if you're going to continue or if you're going to work in construction learning just about how they do things slightly differently and taking that knowledge and moving it across countries also is really, really valuable. Like, mm. uh, there is, you know, people make money from that. People make money just traveling around the world telling people how people do things in other countries. Might not be perfect, going back to what I said earlier, but that's an entire business. Wow. Do, do you know what? Without the political aspect, because we, we ain't got time for that on this podcast, but no. what would be really interesting, yeah, I'm not interested in the tall. There we go. Get the, yeah, bell, get the bell out. Yeah. <laughs> No, no politics. But what, what what would be interesting is like post Brexit and all this stuff. If you were still like if you were an architect in the UK or a student right now, is there many barriers to kind of go into different countries, or is it pretty much business as usual, or just a little bit more barriers? I, th- I think I think the barrier difference is that I think you you and um, you know you might get some comments on your YouTube channel now. Uh, like I think you have to. <laughs> Don't worry, basically... they'll be up on my handkerchief. Don't worry, you're fine. <laughs> They'll be like, I think you have to have like a job in place now. I mean, again, right. I was I was fortunate because I, I I had an employer when I moved. Obviously, that that was pre 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 Brexit. I know a lot of people who who, who in, in my social group, you know, not just from the UK, from from any European nation, who have moved country and then looked for a job, um, uh, or have just got a job and then like that's not what I really want, but I've used it to kind of get in, and then I'm going to find ah, another okay. job. Um, I think that's now what you have to do. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, in certain sectors, one thing that we do talk about a lot is that there is a skills gap and a, and a labor shortage in digital construction, like mm. everywhere. Every, people want people everywhere. So I, I, it's just finding the right op- opportunity that, that, that suits you. I mean, we're employing people all the time as a company 
Um, in fact, we've just employed some um, some architects, some BIM experts in our regional. We've got one in Madrid, um, a few, a few, you know, a few everywhere. Because we need we need that knowledge. We we need we need people that really know this stuff. Um, mm. But you're also asking them to leave a profession as well. I think some people yeah. again are also very dubious. Like, oh yeah, we want your knowledge as an architect, as an as someone who knows BIM, but we're asking you to not design anymore. I think yeah. that's another also quite interesting where people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And some people have gone back to the industry that we've employed. Right? They have gone back going like, this has been really good. I've learned a lot working in a tech startup, but I'm now going to go back to architecture. Yeah. And they've really enjoyed their time and they've, and they've learned a lot and they've become probably better architects. Yeah. Because of it. But- I've seen a similar thing, A, in recruitment, but also B, in that in that kind of aspect. Because one of the roles that I used to do a lot of recruitment for is um, architects who want to move to a property developer. So at McDonald's mm-hmm. Company, where I used to work, we have a lot of connections. That we, we had, uh, I say we had, because just because I've left there on good terms. They're a great company for that, because they've got a lot of connections in property. And mm. what's interesting is that lots of architects go, oh, do you know what? I can't wait, because there's a big money um, jump. But you're basically effectively then project manager and architects and you're not doing design anymore. And so mm-hmm. at first the the idea is very appealing because you're just like, oh my gosh, um, yeah, it'll be money, I'm going to escape this, I'm not going to do the deadlines anymore. But actually, you know, are you okay with giving up design? And so yeah. for me, I love architecture. The thing is, though, I quite liked the idea of going in recruitment. So when I left as a part two, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to be working on the team and doing all this stuff. And I went into a recruitment and it's far from a perfect industry. I do enjoy it because it suits me personally mm. and I don't want to go back to architecture. But what I've also seen is a lot of people kind of go, oh, I'll go into recruitment because they'll escape all the problems I had in architecture and actually they find that their passion is with architecture. Maybe they just didn't yeah. work in the right kind of company. And that happens too. That's part of the yeah. territory, you know? But that's, but, but that's also about yourself. Your, you know, it's like it's that part of your self-professional journey. It's like going, you know, you may go, you may be fortunate to go and work in another country and they'll be like, well, the work's good, but I don't like the, the cultural aspect of it potentially, right? So, yeah. but that's learning. Like you, you become a better, you know, more professional, personable person because of that. I mean, like, and it's one of those great things, right? If we had hindsight when making decisions, the world would be a really different place. But, you know, you yeah. make you make decisions at the time based on the information you have. You should never look back and go, you know, you can go, I made the wrong decision. But at the time, you know, you made that decision based on what you had. Mm. Like, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about it too much. No, and, and like most of the best valuable lessons I've learned in business from mistakes just try not to yes. repeat them again but mistakes are really valuable i mean the amount of mistakes i've made is astronomical and and when i run my own business before christ you make a lot of mistakes um and you know that i i tend to find they are they what you learn from and actually you get quite a thick skin from it so yeah it's even stuff that now it's not so going from recruitment again back into an architecture practice, I'm learning so much. Sometimes it's a little bit even out of my comfort zone, you know, because before I would do recruitment to a client, but now I do it in an architectural practice. So 
all the stuff in terms of and hiring so important getting people in for projects and it's like it's this whole new learning curve and i'm making mistakes even now um so that's a really good point matthew so normally you know in a podcast i i, I love this i've asked quite a few questions uh, i often forget to do this but i would love to um ask you on the mm -hmm. spot and we've had no preparation here if you have any burning questions for me or the architecture social or about my past or what video games i love or how my hay fever is and my terrible <laughs> look at this my terrible how, um, beautiful tissues my awful tissues yeah <laughs> um but is there any questions you have for me in the social yeah I, actually yeah i do so like so like I think it's really interesting, like the the membership group, and obviously from a recruitment point of view as well. Like, are you seeing uh, are you seeing a business change? Like, are you seeing yeah. uh, a recruitment change? As in, like the skill sets that people need are now changing and are going to change over time, right? I mean, they, you must see it. Practically. Yeah, it, that's a really good question. There's a few parts of that. So, the even now. So the architecture social, and I was saying this to someone, is changing in how it's being used. So pre-pandemic, so there's a few components to the social. Part of it is like, it's my, it's my, my crazy brain doing all the things I think we need in recruitment or, or yeah. in architecture. And I kind of, it's like, oh my gosh, we'll do a clubhouse. And that's how we met. So there's good stuff that comes out of all this. But my thing is I'm, I'm not being afraid to change. So actually what you'll find is that the, I was looking at the analytics for the Mighty Networks and the Google Analytics of the website. And so before on the website, everyone would just use the Architecture Social website to log into the Mighty Networks, the mm -hmm. forum part. And that was used a lot. So I think something like um, per day during the pandemic, 40% of the members would be logged in. And we're talking like 3,000 people. So it's like an insane amount of people mm -hmm logging in now in the uk we've just got brexit the no, brexit what am i on about that's me being wrong we just said brexit that was ages ago what we just had is the the lockdown is easing and the weather is good and the pubs are open so like the numbers are going on that front but what's the opposite is that p the people are using the website much more and because i'm building mm -hmm. up the company platform and i'm trying to get um I'm, the next step that i'm going to be launching to be a little preview if anyone's listening to this is that um the, the piece that i'm trying to do is get architecture practices and companies like yourself to talk about what they're doing in the company culture so that when job seekers are looking that they're not just looking at the work they're looking at the work and the culture, because normally I find that typical architecture practice naturally will put all their projects on, but they won't talk about their team. They won't talk about yeah. um, certain aspects. Tech startups are much better than that. You know it, where it's like, hey, yeah. come and we got the ping pong table and all this stuff. And actually, that's beer in the fridge. Beer in the fridge. Yeah. Beer in the but fridge is important. But how many architecture practices do you know that do, do they on the website? It's you know, a handful, isn't there? And, yeah, basically. you know, like a Hawkins brand's a good example of doing it pretty well. But I think there's a lot of work to do that. So that's kind of what I'm trying to build upon. So it's a long answer to your question, but what I see is the future. So the, the overarching goal of the social, it's kind of a, a two-way thing. And like everyone has an opinion. There was someone that I really respect who was actually just like, 
the architecture social. Is it really the social though? Because it's a lot about finding jobs and all this stuff. And he's like, what is the, where's the social aspect? And I was kind of like, it's there. It's about encouraging conversation. So my constant goal is like, how do you keep the conversation going when everyone's needs are changing? And that is an ongoing battle, right? So if there's less people yeah. in the community right now because we're enjoying the sun, how do you get the conversation going? It's a podcast or it's an interactive thing or it's a, it's a job posting or it's like a, it's a poll, you know, it's like literally, so it, it evolves. But to answer your question of how I, I see things changing is that I do think that um, it would be interesting. I think l there's still an awful lot of people studying architecture and yeah. it's a big different um, there's a big different climate than when me and you studied. So I don't know about you, but I remember uh, I was on the year just after that, like the um, architecture university fees went up. So they were like 1,000 and they went up to 3,000. I was like, yeah. that's outrageous. And now it's like an architecture student. 10,000 or something. Yeah, it's 10,000 times the five years that you're there and you've got your years in between. So you're looking at like, so to study architecture, which is not, um, a highly paid job. The trade-off, in my opinion, is you design beautiful projects. It is yeah, a people, fantastic. But people still think it's a highly paid job. Yeah, that's of course. The, I think that I think that's the problem. The other the other big issue with with the university aspect as well is that like um, architecture is like a nine to five job at school, at university. I mean, yeah. if not more, right? I mean, we in our building, we were in the same building as as the business school. Now, I'm not saying that this is this is true, but like. My housemate went to business school and she only had to be in five hours a week. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and then, and then in her spare time, she could go to work and earn money. And I was like, oh, but I need money for materials, printing, uh, field trips, like, and, and my, my grant is the same as hers. And I have to do at least 40, 50 hours of architecture a week. It's like, so it's, it's, it's tough work. Like, like, yeah. I mean, you know, you go out and get drunk, of course, like everybody else does, but you know, it's, I agree with you. Like it's 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 a really challenging kind of like thing to think about, and I think a lot of people don't think about it when 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 they go in. I don't know what the dropout rates are for architecture school. Huge. Quite, it's huge, it was it's it's it there was an article come out. It's voted the hardest course, and I can believe that. Mm. And and you're right. So touching upon what you said though, so there's like this, especially. Uh, there's that fountain pen analogy of like when you're an architecture student, you're like passed out at the desk, but your project's ready, you know? And it's like that, <laughs> it's like that hard um, course, isn't it? Where we've all done it, the all nighter and all yeah. this stuff. But what's interesting right now is that, so in, 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 like, in like public discourse is that the, there's a, like the future architects front is all over Instagram and they've done a really good course of raising massive awareness about employers, um, underpaying people and long hours and all this stuff mm -hmm. and like the reborn is aware of it and addressing it and then also what's interesting right now during this time so i'm going to try and put out this podcast as soon as i can um and i haven't got any in the queue right now so we'll whack it out so hopefully this is relevant so relevant when people are listening to it in a, in a few days but um I, there's a lot of journalists on twitter and stuff asking students right now to share their experience yeah. and the bar that came under fire so this kind of like it's it's not quite the me too movement and and it's a different it's a different beast but what's interesting is like the world that we know and taken for granted is slowly 
now are in the public realm and and I think that the I think that the critique is justified when the costs go up so much so in, in one sense if you're doing architecture yeah, it yeah because like I what I got out of it is invaluable to me and I and I, and, and I love it because I'm here we're talking now this never would have happened and the skills that you were saying that we kind of learn in architecture school is really valuable to me that aside though i'm going to be really objective if you look at this as a career um a degree and diploma which is five years that you pay for and the career pro prospects and all this stuff you know you've got to really be sympathetic to the uh, to the architectural students going forward and um that's kind of the bit that i find really interesting right now and so the part with the social is that and hopefully in the vein of this is like there's an element where I like this really unpolished raw conversation but about real things and I think that yeah. that's the nice aspect of it the fact that uh, me and you had one or two points that you kindly sent over for the podcast but it's unscripted you've got we'll have a joke about like my you know paper towels but at the same time there's some seriousness and passion that goes into it and so i so the bit that i'm trying to flex with the social is that um bringing employers and people together is like a is a challenge that i like to do and getting that conversation going so getting people jobs is always uh, been key and inspiring students to do it themselves and or maybe teach some skills that someone didn't pick up in university because like finding a job is something that i never learned during yeah, university me, me, yeah me neither yeah and it's not a critique i just didn't learn it and then no. you kind of like go on you're out in the world so uh, doing that gap but um yeah and i think for me it's kind of how do you give insight into a camp an architectural practice to this next generation so that's the overarching goal um, and I'll be really honest, I haven't worked out all the answers, you know, I'm yeah, it's but I, experimenting. But, as, but, but as an organism as well, like the architectural social, I mean, like if you think, if you think, okay, if you think about the conversations that happen on the platform, if you go, okay, if that platform didn't exist, right, yeah. and I, and I, and I want to move job, how would I go about doing that if I wanted to speak to people? So one thing you could do is go, okay, I'm going to contact some old friends um, mm. that I studied with. Oh, I see that your practice is hiring. Like, can you put a good word in for me? How is it working there? Can you be honest? Like, is it a good place to work? Or you'd ask your friends down the pub. I mean, you know, uh, you know, a lot of architects are friends with other architects, right? I mean, you know, yeah. we're a weird bunch. We're quite special. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, so, you know, some people only really want to like hang out with like, their own kind almost um but you know you would you you'd go down the pub and go oh, do you know what I'm, I'm fed up working with such and such a person like have you got anything at your place like how is it working for you are yeah. you fed up and, and to be honest a lot of a lot of architecture practices i'm i have no data on this at all but i bet it's a bunch of friends getting together after working for a couple of years and going we're all fed up let's make our own company yeah all the time and, Pro and probably like yeah, I, I, all the time. And what I would say is that what's interesting is like with the architecture social that it's a bit like everything. And like there's a few people in there that go above and beyond. And it's interesting because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I would I would hire this person. Or I, I think like with a lot of stuff, it's like learning guitar or 
doing your skills, the more energy you put into it, the more you get out. So I enjoy it and, and hopefully, you know, there's a lot of good value there and I'll keep going because I have that curse that we have, Matthew. You know, when you do architecture, like you have to do your projects and I've got that yeah. thing where it's like my baby. But one thing that I will add though, what's really interesting is that I do think it helps, and this is a mad topic, and we could do a podcast on this for a long time, but what I will say in a kind of a short fragment of what I'm thinking is like, one of the blessings and the burdens, the, it's a bit heavy, it's a burden for me. Let me rephrase it. So I love running the architecture social, and like I, I try to do it with the best values that I can. So they're my values though, and they're not always yeah. right, and they change, but at the same time, what's great is that there's no corporate pull on it and where i say mm -hmm. with that or or for instance like with reba reba are building their own community platform but they've got inherently a lot of different problems that are going to be with that because when you've got paying members and different parts of the uk and different topics agendas discourse opinions yeah. and when you've got rules and regulations it's extremely hard but one thing that is uh, and maybe it's in the startup phase, Matthew. It's like when you've got a community that you set up yourself. I'm like, hey, this has always been the way. Uh, my values are kind of don't offend anyone, but just I'm happy for discourse and just go for it. There is a, a nice thrill with that where I'm not regulated like a reaper, you know? I mean, I can't imagine, well, well, it depends how it's done, right? But I mean, a lot of people are critical. I'm a big fan of the RBA. I'm also very critical of of the RIBA, yeah. I can't imagine a critical discussion, which is ne which needs to be happened on many occasions, would would work very well on the RIBA's own social platform. Like, like it's, because it's because it's a private enterprise. It's not like discussing how bad Facebook is on Facebook. That's different. But like, it, yeah, you, you how get are they, it already. How are they going to moderate it? Yeah, I mean, you, you're now touching on a grey area. And they could do it fine. They may they may just allow free will, right? And 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 that's great, fantastic. Be critical. Always be constructive. Never be rude. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting to see how that how that would work. Yeah. So well, yeah, it's a I'm, minefield, I'm, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. I like independent. I like independent platforms. Yeah. Like you know, it, it because talking about the company on the platform that the company owns. Mm. yeah it's 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 not truly independent of the people that are there i mean and that's why like a lot of people head to reddit now reddit is full of awful awful things and awful awful comments but yeah. sometimes you can have really good constructive conversations well you'll enjoy there's a podcast out there trying put on spotify like architect and i really enjoyed it and i think it's but Anyways, I forget which one it was on, but you're the creator of Archinect. And so Archinect's a big platform and forum in America. Mm. And um, they have anonymous users. So they have a whole different set of problems where it's kind Ooh. of like the Wild West. Everyone could say what they want. And they thought about making things public, but it's also um, a bit difficult because you've got to protect people's anonymity. And so I yeah. think what I prefer is that people have their own um, names because then you don't have that kind of wild west attitude but you'll tell you one thing before we kind of move on from it is that you laugh that we've got a discord on the Arctic social and um, one of the students really wanted to do it and I'm like I'm like hey if you want to do something I'll support you I'm not going to go mm -hmm. on the discord just because 
I've been on there a bit and I'll pop in after this to have a quick look, but this building the social is a full-time job and I have another job. So mm. I can't do a Discord, but if you want to do it, I said, I'll make you a mod and you can run with it. And it's so funny because I went on to the Discord and someone was like, yeah, this is really great because, you know, you can really speak your mind, whereas the architecture social has a bit of a commercial tone. And I was like, oh, shit, I turned no. in. Shit. Yeah, no, but I was quite funny. Not everyone thinks that, but what? But hey, it's freedom of speech. And I laughed. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I laughed because I was like, wow, OK, have I turned into what I uh, what I swore I would never become? But um. You never. It's not even. It wasn't even try. It wasn't even that. I'd laughed. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I kind of get. Because when you're playing in between professional world, and free speech and being personal, it's it's you know like LinkedIn is so valuable. It's a little bit corporate, but I like the platform because yeah. you can really accelerate stuff. That if people like it, the algorithm's great. Whereas Facebook to me is the the worst platform in the world. And I think like Mighty Networks is a community platform, which is really good, yeah. but it's getting that balance. But hey, that's probably like a conversation for another day. What it I would is. say- I mean, go on. No, please go on. You're burning questions. So, Tell me, no, you, it's, it's, what should I do? No, no, it's not a burning question. It's, it's more kind of like a burning point as well. I mean, I think, I think there's, there is a space where I think people need need to come together for like, for ideation. So like, so like, like the, the nurturing of, of ideas and and mm. what i really think is really good is that like uh, on the architecture social people like you know they're presenting their projects which i think is really good everyone likes to show off which is great yeah like, you know, that's that's part of natural human human behavior but i think like discussions around like ideas and stuff and problem solving i think is really 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 in, really really interesting where people can come together and maybe you know as i said like bunch of architects go down to the pub they hate all hate where they work they create their own art their architecture practice a bunch of people with some some ideas can get together and make a little startup like in their spare time make an app or something mm -hmm. like we need we need spaces for that i mean we i i'm involved with something called the aec hackathon it's mm -hmm. a us-based organization yeah uh, the guy who chairs it he works in uh, he works for samsung damien um and I I sponsor the, uh, not me the object sponsors mm. and I uh, and I'm a judge at the one in Copenhagen, and it's so cool to have it's mainly students or like young professionals who who just come in with these ideas and they basically have to make their team. So people go as individuals and they meet people for the first time Friday night. People stand up, pitch their ideas. I've got this idea. Um, I want to make bridge design more economical by using standardized parts, let's say. I just made that up. Mm. Someone else will go, oh, I know about engineering. I know about structure. And they'll get together. Two days later, they'll have a product to pitch. And it's awesome. It's yeah. so cool. Like, like all these ideas come together. And then we try and connect people with VCs and like help them and nurture them into creating businesses and stuff. And And so like... The architecture social can definitely be a place for those conversations can, you know, can happen because people have ideas, but they they're on their own. They need to find other people that have, yeah, similar aspirations and, and ideas. So, so we need those spaces, like really really important. Yeah, well, look, if you're wanting to do something in that, I'm all game. But um, kind of in the vein of that, we had 
So there's like um, there's a bunch of like uh, architectural student and young professional influencers, and they set up what was called the Mad Collective, and they did the MadCon, which was a series of guests mm. and events, and it was it was on the architecture social, and that was cool as well. It was a lot of work for them in particular. Yeah. And I quite like toasting it, but actually they are the people, as you say, that like really get something out of it. So like the AEC hackathon is like a fantastic way to get noticed and employed because if you're like if you're doing some shit hot stuff in the AEC hackathon and I'm there and I'm I'm hiring and I, I I'll take notice of that and probably invite the person for an interview. So it's just yeah. like um, that's how, in my opinion, you get ahead in the real world and and so. I think what you find is that more junior in your career that, you know, you're sending a lot more applications out. But now the last two roles that I've been at, McDonald Company and Aqua Lowry, they've come up because of um, I've been approached uh, based mm. upon the stuff that I've done. And and the architecture social of doing something like this is that I meet lots of people. That's how yeah. we know each other from yeah. in the room. You were on Clubhouse, told me about BIM Object, and we were in the architecture social space, and, and that's why we're here. So I think there's a massive power in all that. And on that point, Matthew, because what I'm going to do is, I think this is, we covered so much, and maybe what we yeah. can do is we can have you back in a few months' time when we've got like this burning topic that we want to do. But in the interest of we met each other on Clubhouse, so if someone hasn't met you, where can they find you at the moment? Yeah, I mean, just search just search me uh, on LinkedIn. Find me there. I've like connected with thousands of people. It's always great. And and hit me up uh, there. You can find me uh, at CAD for Mac, which is my old when I worked at Apple handle on uh, on on Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much, but I'm kind of still there. So yeah, or just find me on on, on LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn a lot. Um, and and I I will appear in conferences. You know, you may be going to one. Um, and you know, and if you if you if you see me at a conference, just just come and say hello. Say that you've heard this podcast, or I've seen you on Architecture Social, or just say hello. I'm always happy to have meet people and have beers with people. I'm always interested in people's ideas and opinions, and I'm always learning from people. Like always, every day, like people's different ways of approaching problems, and it, I find it fascinating to meet new people who are trying to solve the same problem that we're all trying to solve, which is make construction green so we have a actually have a planet to live on in a in a few years time that isn't sweltering hot and everyone's getting really <laughs> bad hay and everyone's getting and steven's dying of an even worse hay fever because it's even hotter well it's so, kind of you know. calmed down now at the end of the podcast which is a night where it's mid mid through i look like i was crying with the handkerchiefs Matthew, your pivotals is, kicked in yeah i know yeah. well look you're an absolute gentleman it's been an absolute pleasure to see you in person after speaking with you yeah, so many times on clubhouse i'm going to end the podcast now but stay here just so that it uploads and awesome. i will play the outro music now thank you for everyone listening your absolute legends and drop matthew a message thank you so much everyone thank you very much have a good have a good day take care bye